This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. A quick note before you listen to this amazing conversation with my guest co-host Shane Dorian interviewing Charles Harris is I would love for you to get a copy of my free ebook, TraderDiscipline.com is the website and the book is Discipline and Finding Your Edge. It's about a 23 page free ebook. I'd love you to go sign up on TraderDiscipline.com and get a copy. Enjoy this interview now with Charles Harris with my guest host, Shane Dorian and me. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. My name is Kim Ann Curtin, and today is a very special day. I have the one and only Charles Harris here, and I'm going to give you his formal bio, but I'd also like to say thank you to Shane Dorian, my special guest co-host who is also here, uh, who is going to help me interview Charles. And if you don't know who Charles Harris is, you might be living under a rock because Charles Harris's talk from 2019 just recently went viral. It's had over 33,000 views. Uh, I checked yesterday. That's what it was at. Could be higher now. Uh, Charles is a portfolio manager at O'Neill Capital Management with over 20 years of experience in finance. He released this YouTube video from a 2019 presentation that he made at the final IBD level four master's program in Santa Monica. It's entitled A Trader's Journey. And if you haven't seen it, you must watch it more than once because it's so powerful. Um, in it, that's what put him on my radar. Lucas uh, saw it and literally wrote me a Slack message, drop everything and go watch this man's talk, which is exactly what I did. This presentation details Charles's personal journey as a trader, his highs, his lows, and a lot of the boom and bust cycles he's experienced as a trader. Um, the lessons he's learned and continues to learn. I was blown away, particularly by how vulnerable he is, how raw he is, unpolished in telling it like it is, which very few traders do. And every trader who's worth his salt has gone through at some point. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here today, Charles. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Kim. Wow, what an intro. I appreciate it's that. Thanks. The truth. It's the truth. And Shane Dorian, who's been a previous guest on my podcast, is here to help us interview Charles. And all of you also need to know that Shane, uh, besides being a Hawaii-born surfer who started surfing at the tender age of five, has spent uh, and spent 11 years in the World Championship uh, Tour as a pro surfer uh, before quitting the pro circuit to focus on big waves. Now he's one of the best known big wave surfers in the world, but that's not all. Shane is a Renaissance fan. He's also an accomplished trader with years of experience following the Canslam system created by William O'Neill, which is what Charles also trades and Shane identifies as a swing position trader and has seen massive upside in his trading for a decade. So welcome Shane. I'm so happy to have you. It's my co-host today. How are you? Thanks so much for having me, both of you guys. I'm really excited. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So I think Charles, my first question to you is the reaction to your 
video, it was, it was a talk that got recorded. Has it surprised you how visceral the comments alone on the YouTube uh, channel are just so robust and heartfelt? I'm just curious what, what it's like for you to be on that other side, seeing how much you impacted people with it. Yeah, it's very, very gratifying. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm surprised. I, I never imagined it would reach so many people. And um, and just how supportive uh, people have been. And it's been a really a very positive reaction. And I think that, as you mentioned in the intro, people can really relate to, you know, the ups and downs in the market. And, and too few professionals really speak about that. There's a lot more uh, spoken about how to avoid it, but not, not the fact that we all kind of share these experiences and we all have these frailties, uh, emotional frailties, and we all have egos and, um, and we all have ups and downs in the market. And, and oftentimes, you know, as a, as a professional and as someone who has been involved in workshops for, you know, close to 20 years uh, and, and working at O'Neill, um, you know, people tend to put me on a pedestal and think, well, this guy doesn't make any mistakes and, and all he does is make money. And that's just not true. I mean, we, we all have our ups and downs and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've had, particularly in my personal account, you know, in the firm account, you've got eyes watching you all the time. So it's, um, it's different, you know, when there's actually someone you have to be accountable to, you're gonna, you're not gonna veer too far away from, from the rules and um, from kind of mitigating your risk. But, you know, with my personal account, you know, I've really had a, I've really ridden it up and down and it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite a roller coaster over the years. So, so yeah, I, I it's kind of part of my own healing in a sense. I, I decided to give that presentation and yeah, the, I've been really, uh, I have been surprised and again, very gratified of the, the response. You speak about Brene Brown's famous talk, The Power of Vulnerability, and recommend uh, to the audience that they watch it and that that was a powerful source of inspiration for you. Uh, would you be willing to just share a little bit about what about that struck the chord for you and why you're such an advocate of other traders watching that talk? Yeah, so Brene Brown has given a, a number of TED Talks. Um, the Power of Vulnerability was like her first one, and, and that went viral. I mean, that's true. That's truly viral when you have, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven million views or more. I, I don't even know, but many millions of views. And then she did another one um, that was uh, the topic of shame, and, and they're all related. And um, the reason why for me it was so powerful was because in kind of getting to the root of why I had that drawdown in my account. And again, I've had drawdowns throughout my career, but this drawdown I had from 2014, 15 through 18 was like nothing I've ever experienced before. I mean, that was literally, I blew up my account. Yeah. And, tell tell um, us the details that you did in that, if you will. I mean, uh, you mean details with regard to like how how big the drawdown was? Yeah, or, I mean, I guess it, it was probably, um, 
I must have lost 85% of my net worth. Um, and I just could not stop. I mean, I, I was like out of control and I kind of knew I was out of control, but I just could not get out of my way. And um, I mean, I was breaking every rule in the book and I just persisted. And, you know, there's a great line in Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, which is another book everybody should read. I mean, to me, that's kind of the Bible of investing. There's just more wisdom in that book than I think anything I've, I've ever read with regard to kind of the psychology of investing and, and actually getting in the head of a famous speculator, Jesse Livermore. And he said, you know, it, it's just curious that a man might know, um, and woman too, might know exactly what to do and what not to do. Um, but they they will begin breaking rules and they know they're breaking rules, but they just can't stop doing it. And I think that really speaks to um, kind of the ego and protecting your ego. And for me, the basis of this drawdown through through a, a lot of therapy and, and trying to really come to the bottom of like, why, why would I sabotage my success in that way had to do with um, self-worth. And um, as I mentioned in, in my presentation, <clears throat> I think I didn't um, feel that inside that I deserved the success that I had. And so there's either two things you can do to kind of make those two things congruent. Either you fix your psychology so you feel worthy of your success, or you sabotage your success to make you to bring it in line to with how you're really feeling inside which is what i ended up doing so um the Brene brown presentation on uh really what she talks about is is worthiness and how you know what is the difference between people who have a sense of worthiness and those that don't and what she says is that the people, you know, through many interviews, the people that have a sense of worthiness and a sense of love and belonging simply believe that they deserve it, that they're ent entitled to that. And, um, and that comes from um, kind of letting go of a need to be perfect, letting go of shame and saying, look, I'm imperfect. This is who I am. Um, sharing that with people who you connect to, who can kind of accept you without judgment with your imperfections. And that's how you develop a sense of worthiness. So for me, giving this presentation was my um, kind of attempt to be vulnerable and to put it out there. And this is who I am. This is what I did. These are the mistakes I made. And the fact that it's been so warmly received and that I've gotten um, so, so many thank yous for, for you know, I think people can just relate to it is kind of um, has really enhanced my own sense of, you know what, I, I mean, I know I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> I've always known that, but um, but really feeling like I don't need to prove anything to anyone. I'm, I'm good enough the way I am. The, you know, I, I think that's that presentation 
was a step in that direction. So it's funny because the culture appears, you know, Instagram, social media, the the world makes us think like, you know, you have to put your best foot forward all the time and always look like you got your stuff together. And yet the viralness of your talk and even the viralness viralness of Brene Brown's is the evidence that it's our, you know, shadows, it's our struggles that actually connect to other people. You know, it, we think it's like everything polished that makes them come to us. But but I've always seen that it's actually when you're human that draws people in because then they feel less alone. Um, and that's what I feel your talk is doing for so many traders and investors is you're, you're saying something out loud that they just aren't hearing because all of the different platforms makes everybody look perfect and flawless. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. Is not no one um no one wants to be around people who are fake or who are, you know, not being their authentic selves. That that's really not what attracts people. So yeah, I mean, people are attracted to vulnerability and to authenticity. And, you know, that's what I'm I'm striving to be. I mean, I've always I'm never really hidden from my failures and successes. And I think um, I've always had, uh, you know, you know, this through all the workshops, people really appreciated that um, because, again, it's it's a trading's a tough profession. I mean, you've got to be on all the time, and that's hard to do. Um, and so, you know, knowing that, you know, even professionals or people who've done it for years and years with with years and years with excellent track record can sometimes fall, um, you know, is really helpful for people to hear. And it's also, I, I think the, the other thing that is, is helpful is that um, you can recover. It's not like you, you know, as long as you don't completely blow up and you still have a stake to trade, uh, you can recover and come back uh, and hopefully come back stronger. So. I've always come back from, from my drawdowns. This I came back from this one too, much faster than I ever realized because of the market conditions post-COVID, yeah. which um, were just crazy, right? I mean, there, there was just amazing opportunities and I was lucky enough to be in the right headspace when those things aligned to take advantage. Yeah. So... So yeah, the, the market's always there. The market, there's always opportunities there for, for us to um, grab as long as we're in the right state of mind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think people, it resonated with people on a lot of different levels. Please, Shane. Yeah, is that a cool if I jump in? Absolutely. Um, well, I have like, I wish this, I wish this was like five, six hours long because it might be, I have, like, I don't know. <laughs> infinity questions for Charles that so many of the people watching this probably don't want to hear. But, um, but you know, I um, I guess I'll I'll start with just like I was really blown away by the presentation. You're you're totally right in that. You know, most people who go to those workshops uh, really like kind of like put you guys you know like really on a pedestal, and we're all trying to learn 
the system and how to trade and how to manage our mental capital and how to manage, um, you know, like trading by ourselves at home in our own home office and, you know, doing our best to learn. And we're like looking at you guys like, you know, like, of course, these guys aren't making tons of mistakes anymore. And their and their equity curve is like a stair stepping, you know, thing where they're a consistent uh, winner all the time. Um, so it was just really cool to see the other side that that that, you know, it's it's really, really hard. It really is hard to like manage it as you go. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing the presentation. It was amazing. I got a ton out of it. And anyone who's watching this should definitely watch it. Um, I guess the I guess the one of one of the main questions I have is um, I, I mean I have so many. Uh, I guess one of the main questions I have is how long of a break did you take when you when you described yourself uh, as a quote unquote basket case like when things got bad and um, you know you really had to come to grips with the damage you did to your own account, which you know I've done that in the past as well. So I can totally relate. Probably not on the same level is that of course um but yeah I, I i guess i guess my question is you know like i know like you sought out therapy which was probably super helpful but like how, how how much of a step back how much of a break did you take from trading to try to get your your mindset back yeah that's a great question and thanks for your, your kind words um well i didn't take a lot of time off um well, the market was good too, right? So it must have been hard. Yeah, the the I mean, what what coincided with this total break was um, I I was going through a divorce, which was um, you know there was a, a lot of reasons, and my ex and I are the best of friends. I mean, we're literally like best friends, so it's it's uh, it's all good there, but um, but it was difficult. I can only imagine how tough it must be to be married to someone who's on this roller coaster. And just think about if you're driving a car, uh, you know, down a, a windy, you know, mountain road and your brakes go out, how frightening that is if you're in the, if you're driving, just think about how the passenger must feel having absolutely no control. And that is probably how she felt. And so, um, so, you know, over, you know, I, I was, you know, this whole process of the blow up, it took, it, it carried through for a number of years, you know, it started um, shortly after Tesla uh, kind of had a peak in 2014, where I had this huge run up, and then a break, and I just kept, my timing was just off, and I was trading options, and I was over concentrated and I was levered and um, anyway, so it took a number of years uh, and, and during that time frame, you know, I was just a, probably a pretty miserable person to be around. Um, and so when, you know, part of going through the divorce is splitting everything up. So I was trading during 2018 the first part of 2018 and then once we initiated kind of um the the mediation part of it i just took uh i, I exited the market uh because i didn't want to put that money at stake you know what we had left <laughs> which yeah. we provided um i wanted to you know just protect that so i by necessity i took off about um 
about five months where I didn't trade kind of my main capital, but I did fund a small kind of margin account on the side for, for myself um, that I was trading. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could say that I, I always have a hand in the market, but I probably took off about four or five months of um, having any real exposure uh, at the time. And, you know, when, when you're going through a losing streak, you know, the right thing to do is to take a step back, stop trading altogether and kind of, um, you know, figure out what's going on, do a post analysis, uh, you know, actually mark on a chart where you're buying, where you're selling, and it'll become very evident very quickly what you're doing wrong. And then uh, when you come back to the market, start really slow with it. Just a very small part of your capital because the goal at that point isn't really to make back your losses or, or begin making money as much as it is to build your confidence back because you can't trade successfully without confidence. Um, you need confidence in order to execute quickly. Um, you know, if you're hesitating in the market and second guessing yourself, you're not going to be successful, probably just like surfing. You yeah, know? it's the same. If you're not sure about whether you're going to get the wave or not, you're probably not going to get the wave. So, um, I mean, I, 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 I just started surfing and I guess I could tell you for sure that that's true. <laughs> so, um, that's cool. We'll have to go surfing one of these days. I would love that. Um, you're going to have to go to the, the baby wave zone. Not, not yeah, that's fine. That's um, fine. So didn't yeah, anyway, you just, I, didn't I, you just I do a surf retreat, Charles? Was, oh yeah. So I, I um, actually just got back from Nicaragua for 10 days. Um, oh, wow. Very cool. I have a, a buddy who who goes out there for a few months a year. So uh, this is the second year I've gone out to hang with him and just surf every day. Um, and again, I'm still learning. And the only way to learn, especially as an adult, is to do it every day. You're never yeah. gonna, you go, you know, once a month. So uh, and the nice thing surfing about is very, it, very hard, just like trading. It's so hard. It is the yeah. it's scary. So um it's really difficult. But yeah, I, I took to answer your question, I took off about four to five months of of, of um trading any size and um and just try to get my confidence back at that point. But I, I, I had actually made back um I was probably I can't remember exactly, but I may have been up 30 or 40 percent the first part of 2018. So I was just happy to have kind of built the nest egg up a little bit, given that we were going to divide it. Um, you know, one, you know, just for both of us, I wanted us both to feel like kind of secure in that way. So yeah. at least I felt like it was still, you know, 70% off its high, but I mean, at least there was something to divide. So, uh, so anyway, that's the answer to that one. <laughs> Um, how, how, how much time do we have, Kim? It's, well, we, we have to get over to Twitter space in about seven minutes, but these questions can come along with us. You know, I have, I have one question that I'll be so bummed out if I don't, if I don't ask you, Charles, I, I wanted to like the, you know, like the talk that you gave the, the presentation, it was so, you know, had such a, like a, a wild ride, like you said, and it was, 
you know, like you blew up your account kind of, and it, it had such a huge impact in your life in a really negative way in a lot of ways. I, I guess, I, I guess for, for me, it would be cool to see the total other side of that. Like, um, you know, like as a trader, especially someone who, who studied Bill O'Neill stuff and is always trying to find, you know, like bigger winners. Um, I took Kim through one of my biggest trades ever, you know, when, 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 when I was on her show, you know, with the charts and where I bought and how I was feeling and how I rode the thing up and how I sold and where and why and how, how I felt afterwards. And I was wondering if you would take us through like maybe either your best trade, um, you know, maybe from like the, like the COVID uh, bull market. Um, that That's, that's something that for me would be super cool to be able to, if you could share your screen and show us, show us like a chart of something that, that like you rode really well, like whether, whether it was like during this, this, this last bull market or maybe your biggest winner ever. Yeah. So I don't know if I, if Kim, I'm able to share my screen because yes, you are, I mean, if you want to do it, feel free. Um, I'm, I'm just concerned that in order to do that, I need to, um, I, I, I VPN into my platform. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to be. We can try it, but if it doesn't work, if you gentlemen are both game, we could always do a part two and include this. That that would be amazing. We could we could. I mean, I, I mean I'll tell you, and this is no secret because I've spoken about it um at length in on IBD Live, which is that radio show that, that I'm on every so often. Um well really um my biggest winner by far post-COVID has been Tesla. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I, I've, I mentioned this on Twitter because people have asked like, well, okay, after your presentation and you blew up and you were, you know, you were, you were going to come back and you knew you would come back how long, you know, but you didn't know how long it would take and, and what happened. So I did come back and never dreamed I would come back as quickly as I did because you know, that was a lot of ground to make up, right? Um, I thought it maybe would take me five years, 10 years, like who knows? But um, I actually, it only took me about a year and a half, two years max. And so Tesla was my biggest winner by far. Um, and my, I had really astonishing performance. Um, and it's not me, it's the market. You know, there were just opportunities during, during COVID, right? Um, but in in the bubble, the tech bubble in 2000, in the year 2000 and 1999, in, in 1999, I was up a little over a thousand percent in my personal account. In 2020, I was up 1400%, just under 1400%. And so a lot of that was swing trading Tesla. Um, and a in a levered position, right? So uh, I would say Tesla probably made up about 80 to 85 percent of my gains in 2020. And was, you know, that performance allowed me to, to make back all, you know, all, all my losses and then then some um, because I was also able to um, fund my account with bonuses I was also making on the side through through work. So um so yeah I, I was really fortunate in that way and then in 2021 last year I was up just under 200 percent 
Um, and it was, again, Tesla has been my main winner and it's really been, I'm trying to treat it differently than I've ever treated um, other stocks in the past. And in, in saying that is I'm, um, I think like you, Shane, I, I mainly been a swing trader my whole career. So I think for me, the, the sweet spot has always been somewhere between a three week holding period and maybe three months. Um, yeah. And I'm always trading around a core position and Tesla, I feel, and I, I mean, I could speak for, for hours and hours about Tesla, but Tesla to me is going to turn out to be kind of the next Apple opportunity and it's well on its way already. It, you know, certainly the stock's already up, you know, you know, well over tenfold, you know, from, from where it began in 2019 or at least tenfold. But um, I remember back in 2004, 2005, I was trading Apple uh, with, with, with size. And it was by far my, in fact, at one point, I think I had all my money in Apple, all of my personal money in Apple. And, and I, and I did very well with it. Had I gone into a long slumber and just held that position, I would be extremely wealthy, much wealthier than I am today. And that is even, you know, Apple's is to say it's gone up 70, 70 fold or something during that time frame. And during that time, you know, it's had many drawdowns of between 25 and 50%, at least I think 10 drawdowns over that. 18 year period or so. And so I think Tesla is going to end up kind of in the same spot, but you're going to have a lot of drawdowns along the way. And what I've determined is the holy grail of building wealth in the market is being able to time the ins and the exits and the entries <clears throat> and really trying to get out somewhere near a peak and get in somewhere near a low. And of course, that looks very simple to do in hindsight, but in real time, it's nearly impossible to do. And, and what I've determined with Tesla, because I have traded it so actively, is I don't have any edge with Tesla. Like I, when the thing is running up and I'm selling into strength, it just seems to keep going. And when I'm buying on weakness and I think we're near low, it just seems to keep going down. So I'm not doing a very good job of timing Tesla. So I've decided I just want to hold as much of it as I can. And so that's how I'm treating it. Um, I think that the similarities to what's happening with Tesla now and what happened with Apple during that, during you know the last 15, 20 years, there's so many similarities that I feel like I've, I know what's going to happen based on experience and now it's just a matter of executing. And it doesn't mean that I won't be able to, that, you know, there aren't gonna be better opportunities out there, but your, um, you know, how you size your trades has to be in accordance with your conviction. And Tesla is by far my biggest conviction trade. So because of that, it's also my biggest, uh, you know, uh, concentrated position by far. 
So, um, but one of the things you said over the past 25 years, Charles, is that you have kept meticulous notes and records. So I'm just curious as an established portfolio manager, how have, and how do you use that data for your, for your own uh, trading and for your professional trading? Yeah. So ever since I started trading, um, I've literally logged every trade I've ever made. Um, all my buys and sells. Uh, and I originally started doing it really for tax purposes because when I started trading, the brokerages weren't providing all this stuff to the, to the IRS. So I would keep my own Excel sheets. And <clears throat> it's been super, super helpful. One, I couldn't, I wouldn't really have been able to provide that journey uh, with specific trades had I not kept all my notes so uh, and logged all my trades. So I can literally go through you know, my, my two and a half decades of my highs and lows, and I can determine you know, what trades contributed to my gains, which ones were the re main, you know, reasons for my, for my drawdowns, I can study those. What I've done is I have um, really um, traced out my equity curve over my career, and in those, um, those those windows where I had extraordinary performance, I've been able to really isolate the handful of trades in each of those windows that really contributed to um, to, to my outperformance and studied, you know, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And it's actually quite fascinating because I will trade, um, you know, I will, I will often put on hundreds and hundreds of trades a year, uh, even more so um, years ago when I was m more actively swinging, swing trading. And what I found is that, you know, I might trade, I might put on, you know, five or 600 or a thousand trades and trade, you know, maybe 50 or 60 stocks. But every time I have a window of outperformance, it's usually just um, maybe two, three, four stocks that make up the, the overwhelming bulk of my gains. So it's really just um, figuring out, um, you know, really how to play those bigger winners that you have conviction in. And it kind of makes sense that it turns out that way because you can only have so much conviction in so many companies, right? Like the, the companies you have conviction in are the ones that you're going to know the best. You're going to research the best. Uh, you're going to do the most intensive analysis and you shouldn't, you're probably doing something wrong. If you find a hundred companies that you have tremendous conviction in, you know, usually it's those standouts that you're really going to focus on. Uh, you know, those might be the, the Tesla that comes around every so often, or Apple, or um, you know, m many of some of the biggest winners that that we've had over the past couple of decades. Uh, you know, we all know, you know, the Fang stocks. You know, the ones that really have contributed. Uh, you know, made made you know big differences in in people's portfolios. So. Uh, so being able to keep to, to be to go over you know my years of performance uh, and trace that on my equity curve and determine you know where I went right where I went wrong actually 
put those charts up on my bulletin board so I can kind of have uh, imprinted, you know, what I did right and what I didn't do right has been really, really helpful for me. It's, it's makes so much sense. And it's just such a, uh, incredible discipline to be that meticulous for such a consistently long time. Uh, so I think, gosh, if, if that could be one thing traders and investors take away from this conversation, that kind of meticulousness can make or break you. Um, you mentioned that even in the depth of your struggles, you still performed well at work. Uh, do you think, what, what do you think that is because as you talk so honestly in your talk about that struggle with worthiness um do you feel that maybe as that wasn't happening not just because of the accountability you spoke to in the conversation we had earlier but do you think maybe you saw others as more worthy and therefore more willing to you know navigate that with their account differently uh, ask that one more time. You're talking about my peers, my peer portfolio managers at O'Neill. Uh, no, I'm asking about how your the the depth of the struggle with your own personal account. Yes. Versus how you were still performing so well at work. Yeah, like I said, I, I think that. Um, I, I'm I'm held and always been held in quite high regard at, at the firm, and um, I've had consistently pretty good, you know, very good performance. There's certainly been some off years uh, where I didn't perform at you know at my peak, but I think that the main reason why I've uh, consistently done well at the firm is there's almost like a special sauce working at O'Neill, and particularly when bill was running the show there was just um you know we were all very close and even though he we didn't talk that often as a team of portfolio managers i mean we really kind of had our each pm has kind of a sleeve of the overall portfolio and works completely independently but it, it's hard to to explain but Knowing that you've got Bill or now um, Scott O'Neill and Steve Birch um, kind of looking over your shoulder a bit just kind of keeps you in line. And we do have a, you know, the O'Neill system is, uh, you know, very disciplined. There, there is a method to it. And knowing that, um, you know, you're, you're expected to follow the rules, you, you know, you, you typically don't veer too far off path. Whereas with my own personal account, I do lots of different types of trading. You know, I swing trade, I trade turnarounds, I trade breakouts, I buy pullbacks. I, I do a lot of things that aren't, say, traditional um, O'Neill methods, um, but things that I've just picked up over years and years that um, that, that I'm comfortable doing. So, you know, I employ a lot more strategies with my personal account. And again, there's, I'm only accountable to myself. There's no one looking over my shoulder. And so I think it's a little bit more dangerous because when you only have to answer to yourself, if you are kind of messed up in the head and going through a rough time or, you know, dealing with a swelled ego or, a, or, or your own 
sense of value or worthiness, you know, you might make decisions that are, um, that are just not good investment decisions. And again, you know, in, in my case, I, I really sabotaged years and years of great performance by really a handful of really bad trades, uh, losses that just got way out of control that, you know, we, we have a discipline at O'Neill where we try to cut losses no more than uh, 8% or so. And, you know, I took a number of large concentrated bets and took losses in, you know, the 40 to 50% range. It doesn't take too many of those before you're wiped out. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but... It does. It does. Charles, I think uh, part of what, you know, we talked about in the first part of the podcast interview on Tamara was just the response that you've received from so many traders and investors uh, about that talk, about how uh, encouraging it was to them to not feel like they're the only one. And we talked a little bit about how, especially in finance, especially among traders and investors, there, you know, there is this, everybody usually shows their best foot forward, right? They always talk about their wins. But I think part of the challenge is that many people do have a struggle, do have drawdowns. And yet, that isn't really talked about. That's what's so refreshing about that talk uh, and how honest you are and uh, vulnerable. And I guess I'm just curious what that's something that maybe to some listeners is, you know, like heresy, like what? Be vulnerable. Why would I want to do that as a trader or as an investor? Tell us what about that is in actually a trader and investor's best interest. Well, I think that um, in order in order to be successful, um, you you have to be in, in any in any kind of uh, part of your life. You have to be real and authentic, and 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 know your strengths and weaknesses. And I don't I don't see you know Brene Brown talks about vulnerability is really an act of courage, uh, even though on the face of it, it might appear to be kind of an act of weakness, but kind of um, admitting that you're not perfect and you make mistakes. I mean, there's, there's no shame in that. And, um, you know, there's, there's no reason as a, as a trader to feel that you need to prove yourself to, to anybody. And I think a lot of professionals and a lot of people do feel that um, that their trading results are really a reflection of their own value and and how good they are, how smart they are, how talented they are. And we're you know <laughs> we're all human beings. And we we all have our ups and downs and our strengths and weaknesses. And trading is just one aspect of of what we do and who we are. But it's certainly I don't think it should define you. And I think for many, many years trading, I really felt that I was defined by my trading performance. And I think a lot of people feel that way as, as well, that, you know, particularly men, I think, get caught up in, um, you know, how they perform and how successful they are is really a reflection of 
of who they are. And um, I think that's fraught with a lot of uh, uh, problems, um, if that's really how you define yourself. Because um, as, as my therapist would say, when you, when you tr- um, attach you know, worthiness to, to money or, or success, you know, that's a very slippery slope. Um, you know, more value as a person doesn't necessarily mean more money in your bank account. So uh, I think it's just important to separate those things, and and um, and we sh- we shouldn't be afraid to kind of admit our mistakes. In fact, if you can't admit your mistakes, how are you going to face them and fix them? So um, and and because we. We all have them. I, I mean, I think the positive response I've gotten to my presentation is really just a reflection that we're all kind of feeling the, the same things. You know, we've we've all had yes. our difficult times in the market. Yes, absolutely. If you guys are enjoying this conversation with Charles and uh, want to share it with your followers, please do a, a retweet right now to get more people in the room. I don't see anybody right now requesting any questions and yet i know uh shane was afraid he would have five hours worth of questions so i'm sure (laughs) listeners here in the room have some questions shane has been attempting to come into the room unsuccessfully so today twitter is not any of our friends charles but shane says uh that he will we will do a part two because he has a, a like pages of questions for you but i'm so happy to see you kathy and eve uh, and so many other friendly faces. If anybody does have a question, please raise your hand and I can open the floor up for yours. Uh, all right, we have a question. The prophet, I've seen you in my rooms before. I'm so glad you're here. Be sure to unmute your mic. Hey, Kim, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? You just got in. It might was unmuting you a bit there. So how are you? Doing? I'm doing really good. Um, the last talk I had with you and with the recent uh, podcast I listened to you with the City Trade uh, podcast uh, with Stephen Johnson yes. and uh, Tim Bowen. Yeah. Um, yes. Keep enjoying those uh, episodes. There's a lot of golden nuggets in every episode. Whenever I um, I really listen to them, um, well, I, I don't think people good. give you enough credit, honestly. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. Please, what's your question for Charles? I have have a question for both of you, since this is actually kind of applicable. Um, What he said about men having the most trouble um, in trading, I think it's actually very accurate because I was having a lot of trouble because... um, I was having people telling me that, hey, man, you're always living in the ego, you know, like, oh, the ego's bad. And so I was looking at my own inner ego as the enemy when never there was a there was a uh, episode that you were talking with um, with Stephen Johnson. Um, and you were talking about that the most people that, you know, um, look at the ego as the enemy tend to fail most of the times um the ego is basically you know the enemy if you're in good shape or if you're really successful in life um you know you have a healthy ego 
you know, from what I'm seeing. But how how would you control the ego to not, you know, have a control of the steering wheel uh, controlling your whole life and not getting into trouble and in the other aspects of life, of your own life? Such a great question. Thank you for it. Charles, let's let's let you tackle that first because I agree with him. There's there's the you know lowercase e ego and then there's the capital E ego, right? There's that help you talked about that too, even just now with Shane about you have to be confident as a trader. So what's your response to the Prophet's question? Charles, if you're able to just double check. Oh, there we are. On. Okay, good deal. What's your answer to the Prophet's uh, question? Kim, I'm so sorry, but I you, he cut out for like yeah. literally a minute. Okay, can I'll you, explain. Can you repeat no the question? No problem. Yeah. He's, he's asking about the balance between an unhealthy ego and a healthy ego. On one hand, he really heard what you said in reference to how that ego can get in the way, but yet... As you also said, Charles, earlier, without that confidence, you can't really operate as a trader. So how do you balance having a healthy ego without having it run the show and get out of control? Well, I I, I don't consider confidence and ego the same thing. Um, ego is, uh, you can be confident as a trader, but um, you can feel good about yourself and have that separate from you know, every single trade you make, uh, in a sense, I mean, confidence is, is definitely key and confidence happily comes back very quickly after, you know, literally making several trades. You can have a string of 50 losses, but you put on a few good trades and, and already you're feeling better, uh, you know, as far as your execution as a trader. But, I think ego is 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 deeper than that. I mean, I think that's really your fundamental sense of 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 how you feel about yourself and your own worth and uh and 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 how you feel other people feel about you. Uh so, you know, for me when I was um I think uh, overly concerned with how I, you know, in the, overly concerned with, with people um, viewing me as, as successful and accomplished um, and tying my performance to, you know, is that that was like almost the, the only thing that mattered, you know, like if I couldn't, if I wasn't performing well, I was some, you know, almost like a lesser person, and that's just not. Uh, I think that's not a healthy way to to view yourself as a person. And I, I think again, that's a very slippery slope. Um, we're all, you know, much deeper than just how we perform in the markets. Um, yeah. So, so really, I guess when I talk about ego, I'm, 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 ta I'm talking about how we how we feel about ourselves and how we think we present to other people. And I think the, you know, people who are, are really kind of mentally like healthy in a way don't really care too much about 
how everybody's viewing them. I mean, we, I think what's really important are the connections we have with, with, um, with, with the people we're closest to and the people who really know us and, and really um, have seen us uh, through good and bad. And that's what really matters. Not how, you know, everybody else, you know, who do doesn't really know us, how they, how they view us isn't really that important. I'm not sure if I'm making that yeah. much sense, but. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. I, I think I'm going to take one more question. Uh, we will have to shut this down in 10 minutes, but lucky for us, Charles has agreed for us to do this again, but we do have a few minutes left. I'm going to take Rick, uh, Rick's question. And I do see that Igor has one. I thought you left Igor. So, uh, I'm trying to, uh, add you as a speaker, Rick, uh, make sure you unmute your mic. Are you there, Rick? What's your question for Charles? You guys probably hear my chickens in the back. The Hawaii, one of the things. Yes, can you hear me? A lot of chickens. Yes, Rick. What's yeah, your I can hear you. For Charles? Wonderful. Thank you ever so much. Um, Charles, I just wanted to partly just to say something very quickly um, that, uh, you know, to thank you hugely as a councillor elsewhere in the world, I'm in the UK, um, for just doing these sorts of things and for doing IBD Live and, and those sort of things because you, you probably have no idea how much of an impact it's having on people's lives, on random people all over the world who are hearing your wisdom and are, um, you know, I'm just a little guy who's trying to achieve financial freedom through cancelling, uh, but these sessions that you do in the IBD lives and, the, and so on are invaluable. And I, I just wanted to take this opportunity to say that and, and to thank you sincerely on behalf of random people all over the world for, for, for sharing your sort of material and, and stories and all those sort of things. So I hope you don't mind me just saying that, but please keep doing it, Charles, because it's, it is unbelievably invaluable. And I don't think you will ever realise the impact that it's making on, on people's you know, investing journeys. So thank you ever so much. And um, my question is one, wow. uh, well, I hope you don't mind me yeah, saying that. <laughs> one, one, I want to thank you so much because that's uh, amazing what you just said. And I think if I did just respond to one thing that you said is that I don't find trading to be a trade. I and mean, I love trading and I love the, um, the challenge and I love how it's really um, kind of a battle, um, within yourself. And I love the fact that there's no ceiling to what you can achieve as a trader and, you know, what you can accomplish in your account. And I, I, these are the things I love about it, but I don't find, you know, the actual act of trading all that gratifying as far as, am I really making a difference in the world in any way? And so um, actually sharing whatever knowledge I have and, and teaching and these aspects of it are actually the, the parts that I enjoy the most and that I feel is is really the most gratifying. So I really appreciate what you said. Yeah, because obviously you don't need another Tesla or, you, you, know, you know, but 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 hopefully you're getting something from doing, you know, doing these sort of things. But if I could just ask a question, because that, yes. that was what I was hoping to do. Um, uh, how 
how what, what advice would you give to somebody who's done a load of work on cancelling who kind of knows the knows the system pretty well but is struggling with execution because of volatility and the volatility because obviously you've experienced volatility in quite a major way uh, on your personal account um and so it's how do you yeah how do you execute when things are going really well and um I don't, I don't know maybe when things are going badly you you tighten up but then your confidence is shot a little bit and you don't then go big and take a 10 15 20 percent position in something because you've been sort of torn to pieces for a bit and um i know the answer is probably reduce position size for a bit and maybe have an accountability partner but i wonder if there was anything else that you would advise thank you by the way sure um well executing is 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 hard you can't just um i was saying i've i've met thousands of people literally over the years at the workshops and uh, you know it's one thing to kind of know the system and and read the book and 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 study charts it's another thing to really execute and and perform and it you know one of the things i talk about at at the masters workshops is my topic was trading psychology because at the end of the day i think psychology is by far the most important aspect of success in the market i think really accounts for about 95 percent of um those who do really well and those that struggle and i think that cansom is a great approach um it's probably i think the best approach to the market particularly in a bull market and it works in a in a bear market as well in that it will keep you out because there is that emphasis on trading in line with the general trend but uh kind of specifically that to to in dealing with volatility um you know this has been particularly a very very difficult year and i'm having a miserable year myself to be perfectly honest with you um i've had i've really over relied on for me like the secondary um kind of contra indicators that have indicated that the market's really been oversold for much of this year but it continued to get more oversold so i i kind of over relied on on some secondary indicators that i probably shouldn't have had as much emphasis on but um yeah um it's hard to to make money in a in a volatile environment and it's particularly hard to make money in a on the long side in a downtrend and that's what we've been in so i one wouldn't beat yourself up if you're having trouble in this environment because it's been brutal and i don't think anybody who trades on the long side is likely up unless you were focused on some of the areas that did do well early in the year like energy or fertilizers or shipping uh, but those are pretty quick moves as well, and they didn't last too long. So uh, th those were, it was even hard in those sectors to keep what you may have made. Um, I think the uh, important thing is to, when you're not doing well, is to trade smaller and wait until you get um, a few good trades under your belt and very, very naturally your confidence will um you'll regain your confidence after a few good trades even if it's they're very small trades and don't amount to much money just the fact that you execute properly 
uh, is going to do wonders for your confidence and your ability to take more concentrated positions. So I think um, what I would say is just if you're not tr- if you're hesitating or feel like you're not fully on your game, just trade small. And the goal of trading small will be just to, to have a few winning trades. And it's, it's something you, you can't even control how you will, um, how your confidence will improve with a few winning trades. It just happens. You don't have to talk yourself into it. It's just as you, um, at least for me, as you have a few wins in the win column, you're just going to be looser and you're going to execute faster. And the interesting thing in trading is that when you hesitate, when you're lacking confidence and you hesitate and you're waiting for more reassurance in a trade, what you're really doing is putting the odds or the probabilities um, more out of your favor because by waiting and hesitating and waiting for more reassurance, you're usually um, kind of begin to chase the stock or buy it out of position because it feels better. You know, it always feels better when the stock is moving in your direction. If you're waiting to see that, Kim, can you hear me? Yeah, now but, I can. Sorry I can about that. I'm you. getting on that. That's I actually, not okay. hold on one second, Kim. We're going to, you got it. You got it. Guys, what we're going to do is close this down now. Igor, my apologies. Please come back to the next one because I know you have a question. But um, we obviously went way over time, so that's going to impact Charles's schedule and my schedule. We will get Twitter figured out. I'm so sorry for the delay in our start time, but we are going to do this again. Charles has already agreed. Shane uh, Durian's been texting me trying to get into the call too. So we will make this happen again. But the podcast interview that we did do for those um, minutes before we came to Twitter space, we are going to do our best to release by next week. And then we will just have to find another time and date to do this. And we'll get all our technical stuff solved. How does that sound, Charles? Yeah, that's perfect. I, I, um, I'd be very happy to, to come on again. Will this conversation that we've had on Twitter space uh, that we've recorded, will it appear on Twitter? It will. It'll okay. be live on Twitter for a, about a, two weeks, but my people will download it, and then we're going to uh, edit that this conversation into the podcast video that we did earlier. Uh, so on the uh, on your people, YouTube. Yep, exactly. Terrific. So, but but people will be able to listen to it on Twitter because we did get it recorded. But then we'll put weave it all together. For all the platforms, my podcast is on YouTube, but on every platform wherever you're listening to podcasts, iTunes, so on, Spotify, so on and so forth. Charles, thank you so much for how gracious you've been here. Thank you for coming to this conversation, for your extraordinary talk and wisdom. And I can't wait for part two. Yeah, looking forward to it, Kim. Thanks again. And uh, thank you for everyone who... Uh, joined in and, and took an interest. And um, I see a, a lot of faces here on Twitter from uh, some people who actually saw the presentation firsthand, like Kathy and Eve, I see. Hello, yes, guys. Yes, yes. And oh, uh, so, so anyway, yeah, happy to participate in the future. Just uh, let me know Correct. and we'll set it up. Sounds perfect. All right. Aloha for now, everybody. And we'll see you on the to be determined the date and time for part two. Thanks for all your patience today, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Aloha. This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. 
you can download Kim's free ebook, Discipline and Finding Your Edge, at TraderDiscipline.com. And learn more about working with Kim and her team at TheWallStreetCoach.com. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.